Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. everyone welcome back to the podcast today we are really excited to be joined by Jackie McCormick who is a solution focused hypnotherapist so welcome Jackie thank you very much for having me so Jackie can you tell us a little bit about your background so first of all are horses in your life horses are absolutely in my life and I was saying earlier on when I came here it was like going back in time because many years ago I brought my son here to be trained by Diane and Samantha. So yes, horses are in my life. My daughter has a horse, well, had a horse, and um, my son had a wonderful horse. And so I learned to ride when I was 40. Wow. I used to be terrified of horses. Absolutely terrified of them. Didn't like them, didn't know them, but my daughter was really into it. And I kind of thought, unless I learn about this, I'm going to lose touch with my daughter because she was obsessed. (laughs) And so I did. So I had riding lessons. I'm not a very good rider. I don't ride now. But they're also in my professional life now because the work I do is very much geared towards working with the equine world. So the solution-focused work, therapy work that I do, is mainly working with riders. Well, yeah, because that's how you and I got in contact. The main reason why I know you is because I wrote a blog on Horse and Hound and it was about how I was really struggling mentally to Mm. get back on this horse that I had had that had broken my back and I needed to get back on him. And I wrote like a very candid blog post about it and you reached out and you said, I think from reading that, that you need some help. Mm -hmm. and I remember at the time going I don't need any help like I'm absolutely fine like I don't need help and then as soon as I spoke to you I went oh my gosh I so needed that and I so need Jackie in my life to help me be able to achieve what I I need to be able to achieve Mm. absolutely I mean I read your post and and I just thought when I read it I just thought you were a wee thing struggling but trying to be so brave yeah, I yeah. was really trying. I was really trying. <laughs> really trying to be so brave. <laughs> yeah, I really was. I really yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we spoke virtually for years, didn't we? We did. Yeah, yeah. we worked together for a long time. You know, I think you, you've given me the tools to be able to cope with a lot of things mentally now. So mm-hmm. thank you, Jackie. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> did you always want to become a therapist? Was that always on the horizon So my profession... So I've, for over 30 years, I run a charity that provides services, support services for adults with autism. So for many years, that's been my world, the brain, and working with autism particularly and and kind of studying their brain and how they perform and work. So quite a few years ago, I felt I needed to go for a little bit of therapy. So I went and I saw this wonderful lady and she was a solution-focused hypnotherapist and I had one session And I said, I want to do this. I can do this. I know I can do this. So I then chose to go off and train to do that as well. But I still run my charity. But I also saw a really good pathway into really working with people in the equine industry. Because in sports in general, it's getting better. But a lot of people are quite scared to say that they're struggling. Well, yeah, I was terrified to say that I actually needed some help. Because you don't want anyone to know that you're not successful all the time absolutely we know don't we in the equine world there's this at the moment certainly there's this kind of image through social media as well that everybody has to give that they're perfect and everything's wonderful and we do know that there's been a lot of bullying 
within the industry and lots of people do suffer from acute anxiety and so the work I do the solution focus work is not about oh let's talk about how awful everything is it's very much about how would you like to see yourself managing this differently so very solution focused very based around the neuroscience of the brain and if someone was looking to get into a career similar to that what sort of steps do you have to um it varies i mean it depends what you want to do if you just want to do a therapy course you can do a you know counseling course or i mean i specialized in the hypnotherapy side of things because I really researched it, looked into it and the state of the mind and the brain and hypnotherapy can sometimes be a bit of a scary word and people think I can get them to do all sorts of weird and wonderful things but it is, as Joanna knows, just a wonderful, lovely state of concentrated relaxation. So is that what you would describe hypnotherapy as? Yeah. You know, the individuals I work with, we have a a chat and it's very kind of, you know, positive. That's not to say people can't talk about the negative, but I really need people to get into their, as we call it, their prefrontal cortex, their boss brain, as you'll remember. Yeah. They're desperate to get to the bit at the end when I say, oh, right, now make yourself nice and comfy. I love that bit. (laughs) I love it. I'm hoping we can have it at the end of this. um, So excited. If one of our listeners was interested in having a session with you, what exactly would that involve? So an introduction to me very mean, very much means that you. the first session is about me explaining the process and very much talking to you about what's going on with the brain, the different kind of sections of the brain and how they impact on us. And so we talk a lot about the emotional brain and how your amygdala, your fight, flight or freeze response kind of can really impact on your life. And we also talk about how to change your thoughts, helping people to kind of understand what the process means. Sometimes people come to me and they don't even tell me what the issue is. That's interesting. Which is wonderful. You know, they'll come and, well, I need help with competition nerves, they might say. And then after a few weeks and I ask the questions, I'll say, what's been good? What's been good? And they'll say, well, you'll never guess what I did, Jackie. And I go, what? Well, I went on an aeroplane. I went to them and I say, well, and? I didn't even know that you couldn't go onto an aeroplane. Really, that was the issue. That was their phobia or their fear or whatever it was. And I didn't know anything about it. It doesn't matter because the individual will process through our sessions and will be very solution focused about coming up with solutions to their issues. Some people will come to me and say, I've had a bad fall off the horse. I want to jump higher, but I've got a block and or I just want to work towards competing better. A while back, I did another course with Charlie Unwin and Stephanie Dampney. They run a course for coaches, equine coaches, psychology course for the Centre 10 programme. So that would be the introduction. Then it's much more about asking people where they're at now. Where would you like to see yourself? And then looking at small steps to get there. I very rarely, very rarely offer solutions because they're not my solutions they have to be the individual solutions yeah I remember one like really specific problem that I had and I just kept giving more and more toxic solutions but they weren't solutions and then finally I said like the right thing which I think was just like cutting something out of my life and you were like there you go finally you were like it was in there and you knew that that was what I should have done right from the beginning but I needed to work needed that to out myself. Yeah. yeah. If I allow people time, and Joanna's yawning because she knows my I know, voice. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
So her bra- <laughs> this is a wonderful example, actually. So Joanna's brain has taken a wee time to tune back into my voice. But all of a sudden it's gone, I know that voice because there's a neuropathway in your brain that goes, ah, what do we normally do in this situation? And so it's tuned in, it's found the memory. And then it goes, oh, yeah, no, I know what to do now. I can just calm down and relax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could go to sleep like yeah. like quite instantly and I could just listen to you in every chat. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's really important that I very rarely offer solutions. So it's gently guiding them, but informing them what their brain is doing in response to those questions. And I'll say, so are you in your boss brain right now? Or is this coming from your emotional brain? And if it's coming from your emotional brain, then it's your brain trying to protect you because that's the job of your amygdala. So if we're talking about a rider... And they're going to a big competition and it's normal to have competition nerves. It's good to have competition nerves. But if those nerves prevent you from performing at your best, that's your amygdala thinking it has to protect you from performing because you're telling your mind, I'm scared. Oh, what if? Oh, the judges, all the flowers, all those whiteboards, all. And you tell the story of what you think, you negatively forecast what you think is going to happen. So my job is to say, so where's that information coming from? Is that coming from your boss brain? Because if it came from your intellect, what would you be saying differently? But of course, we know that when we've got a heightened level of anxiety, we function mainly from our emotional brain. And that can desperately try to protect us from doing the thing that we think we want to do. With many of the riders, again, I work with, one of the first questions I have to ask is, well, why do you do it? Yeah. (laughs) Why do we do it? Why do you do it? If the answer to that question is, I really don't like it, a solution-focused approach is, well, why are you doing it then? Yeah. Do something else. Yeah. Not that easy, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But most riders will say, because I love it. Okay, what do you love about it? Tell me. Because I want your mind to remember why you do it. Because the memory is in there. Yeah. It's just for you, of course, you had, quite understandably, you were on high alert because you had a bad accident. Yeah, for me, I was just... Every time I thought about getting on this horse, my brain went straight back to the pain, which was my brain trying to protect me. Absolutely. And it was really hard to rewire that. And actually, the best solution was that for all of that situation was to get rid of the horse because it was just too much for me. But I wasn't ready to admit that. Um, It was a big step. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge step. And I did, I wouldn't say overcame the fear because it was natural yeah yeah it was yeah but I I definitely got through it I did I enjoy it no do I feel a lot better now mentally because I don't have that horse yes was the horse actually that much of a problem no but it was Mm. just my connection with him yeah that didn't work and isn't that isn't that really brave and honest thank you I'm very brave and honest (laughs) but but that's the that's being solution focused you know that's that's saying actually we're not the right mix and I think in the equine industry it's quite a tough thing to say yeah it's quite a big thing to say because there's lots of judgment around yeah sometimes you feel like you're admitting defeat that's something like that as a question you don't ever want to do but it's also not admitting defeat it's just being like oh okay that doesn't work for me let's go and do something else so in that situation I would say okay so if it wasn't admitting defeat what would it be instead what would you be thinking about it instead if you weren't wrapped so much in the I'm giving up on this horse. What do you think you would like to be thinking about it instead? Or how differently would you like to think about it? 
I'd think I'm going to give this horse a different type of life with someone who's not frightened of him. And then that would feel like a weight off my shoulders as well, which is actually what I did. Yeah. So what I'm doing there is really saying to you, let's reframe it. Let's talk to your mind differently. Because by saying, I mean, you didn't say this, but I'm giving up on the horse or I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do it. Your mind has to react to what you're saying. So if we're giving the mind lots of negative thoughts, it thinks it has to protect you. Whereas just then we turned it around a wee bit and we said, well, well, how would you like to think about it instead? Well, actually, I'm giving this horse to someone else. Yeah. You might do it. And your brain goes, oh, OK. All right. Yeah, no, I can trust that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, Jackie, what's the most common reason for equestrians to seek your help? I feel like we've briefly touched on it, but... Confidence, accidents. They may come to me with, oh, I just need to learn to go down the centre line better. That's where my anxiety is. And obviously, once we start exploring it, it's probably nothing to do with the riding, actually. It's probably other stuff that's going in what I would call the stress bucket that impacts on their riding. And so I've had all sorts over the years and all different ranges of age. But yeah, most equestrians are initially will come to me to say I've had a fall or my horse has started stopping and it's just made me anxious. What in terms of when you have people that come to you with competition nerves, what's like your biggest tip to help them? Well, there's a there's lots of them. Um, <laughs> depending on what the issue is, if it's about other people around, we have to help them to manage their brain. So I have to help them to understand what their brain is doing. I can also use lots of things like breathing techniques and mirroring techniques and relaxation techniques. And some individuals will take my recording, my relaxation thing with them in the truck. Um, I have a gentleman show jumper and he has a wonderful ritual now getting ready for his competition. And he always takes me, not personally, my recording (laughs) in the truck. And when they get to the event, his wife does all the running around and the tacking up and getting looking after the horse and he sits in the cab and he has me in his ears and he just listens for 10-15 minutes has his moment of relaxation and then gets on his horse I wouldn't be able to do that because I'd fall asleep, fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't actually because your brain's clever enough to know at certain times when you listen to it okay to not fall asleep okay my job is to get the individual as I keep saying into their prefrontal cortex, their boss brain. When you're in your boss brain, you make better decisions and you can zone out. You can look at what's important to you. So another rider, professional rider, dressage, she was always bothered by this other rider that would be in the warm-up arena, the wonderful warm-up arena. But every time she saw this chap, her brain went, well, there's no point me competing then, is there? Because he'll always beat me. And I know lots of people have that. Yeah, I've thought that so many times. (laughs) Yeah. So we had to really help her look at how she would rather see herself in the warm-up arena. Visualisation is a wonderful technique, but you have to know how to do it properly. Um, Not everybody can do visualisation, but she could. So visualisation was really important. How would you like to write the story and let you be the director of the film? So she would be thinking, right, how do I want to see myself? Where are my hands? Where are my legs? How's my bum doing in the saddle? How do I want to look through my horse's ears? And she didn't even tune in to the chap. So then, of course... She was just focused on her and her riding. And so she was taking control before she'd be in her emotional brain thinking, oh, there he is again. Oh, God, what's the point of me competing when he's here? So it's very individual, obviously, but it's about the neuroscience of your brain, how to manage your brain and not negatively forecast. Yeah, I do. I lie in bed and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I could, a meteor could hit the dressage arena. And and then I'm like... 
calm down. I'm like, stop being so ridiculous. But previously I'd let myself snowball. And especially I'd say when I first started doing dressage, I, I didn't find it a problem. I would say it was after I'd done quite well. Then when I went, oh, how do I maintain this? Or how do I stay here? Or how do I get back up there? I kind of went, oh my God, I, that person's watching, this person's watching. Whereas, you know, if I just stayed on like the upward trajectory, which mm. obviously no one ever does, then I probably would have been fine. But as well, yeah, it, it definitely, it takes quite a lot out of you. And mm. I know some people might think, oh, it's just common sense to think like that. But especially when you're trying to perform and things like that, you're not thinking rationally. No. And common sense goes out the window completely all athletes will have moments when they're in their emotional brain we're human but you only have to look at some of the top performing athletes you know that their brains are being trained within an inch of their life and you see the focus and even though they get it they may get certain things wrong they have trained their brains so well to get straight back on that pathway so they don't get too stuck in the what ifs what does everybody think of me because they've been so well trained to control that yeah what would you say are barriers to accessing therapy within the equestrian world so do you find that often your clients for instance are female and that often potentially men are more hesitant particularly male equestrians in seeking help 100 percent. however the male equestrians that i have worked with have normally come through their partners but yeah i think there is a social barrier sometimes and i think the word therapy can be like you've mentioned a bit of a weakness it is getting better yeah getting there but it I just feel like the equestrian industry is quite backward in some ways we're still like 20 years behind this is a wonderful saying that I did see on social media and it was I'm in therapy because I'm coping with those that won't go into therapy (laughs) but so the center 10 training I did if you change the terminology and you say I am a coach people will accept it differently So if we got rid of the word, I'm a therapist, I'm a solution focused coach, people will accept it. The other thing that if you're delving deep into the psychology, which we're not really going to do, but there's a big study around males and how they cope with mental health and how women cope with mental health. And this is a generalization. Obviously, everyone's different. Often females chat to other females and they just gossip and they chat and they offload and they and that's a therapy in itself. For lots of males, they don't necessarily do that. So they don't have this ongoing offloading, emptying your stress bucket. And sadly, maybe society and hopefully is changing, expects them to be quite together even just you saying that it made me think sometimes when like we go to a show I'll say to Evie oh I'm feeling quite nervous and as soon as I've said that I immediately feel better because mm. I've admitted to someone that I'm struggling a little bit and it just makes you go oh I'm not alone in this Evie yeah. now knows that I'm yeah. nervous social interaction as we often talk about is vital to our mental health and if you're not doing that but you think you're having to perform all of the time it's going to catch up with you I think as well other potential barriers are obviously time. I think a lot of equestrians feel as though they don't have the time Mm -hmm. to seek that sort of help, but also finances as well, I would say. So what are your sort of thoughts on that? If you've got someone that's running a business within the equestrian world, but they're struggling to find the time and the money to seek help, what would you suggest? Well, one of the questions or one of the things I might often say is how much do you spend on your horse? yeah (laughs) every month and I get it and we're all very good at looking after our horses one of my points with that is if 
if you are struggling, are you happy with not struggling? No, because you've come to see me or you are thinking about it. My kind of work doesn't go on for years. But if you want to find the time and you want to find the money to be that rider that you want to be, you will find it. Yeah, I would say talking from personal experience when I was like having like, you know, a mental breakdown had (laughs) had I just spent like, you know, gone gone down the route of like, oh, I need to have more lessons, more riding lessons all the time. That wouldn't have benefited me nearly as much as having even just one session with you, because then you then utilize your riding lessons or your actual training sessions instead of just like staying within the grind. Yeah. If we're on high alert, if we're very anxious or angry or whatever the emotions are, it has an impact on your horse because cortisol, stress hormone, is pumped into your body to enable you to fight, to run away or to freeze. If you have those high levels of stress hormone in your body, what happens to your horse when you get on top? What would your horse say to you? Calm down. (laughs) Calm down, missus. (laughs) You know, you're holding the reins and your muscles are pumped full of cortisol. What does that tell your horse's mouth? Ouch. Yeah. There's something going on. Your leg muscles are going to be tight. And your horses, you know, certainly the horses you ride, these wonderful warblers, they're tuned into you. So sometimes in the past, if I've felt like I'm just going like and just like screaming internally I almost have to just take 10 seconds and just Mm -hmm. go actually just calm down because you getting on that horse with that frame of mind is not going to be beneficial to anyone I had an individual I worked with and she was competing at a fairly high level but she was saying well my horse is a bit head shy now we know horses can be because of all sorts of reasons but when we broke it all down when she was actually going to tack her horse up she was so anxious so everything was tight so the horse was as you can imagine, his his head was going here, there and everywhere, which was making her even more anxious. So, of course, we changed the way she approached the horse. We kind of got her having a different ritual and structure to tacking him up and thinking differently about what he might be thinking as she approached him. I think so many people benefit from that because we've spoken before about it, how horses do things because of you and your reaction so you know we have clients and they say oh he's so difficult at a show and we get there and you know he's just a nightmare and then you watch them and they're running around like a headless chicken yeah. and you're like they are feeding off you yeah. you need to calm down and then your horse will calm down as well and you understand it because you're anxious and your brain is trying to protect you from getting on that beast <laughs> <laughs> now i'm not a neuroscientist but there are so much evidence out there that if you understand your brain more you're more able to take control and so I think just having even the you know one or two or three sessions with somebody if it gives you that information that's got to improve your riding that's got to improve your horse yeah one thing I would say from having obviously had sessions with you is it's only as beneficial as you put into it so if you're not willing to change and adapt and learn then it's not going to help you is it no and when people actually approach a therapist or a coach they're 75 percent of the way there So one of our listeners sent in a dilemma a couple of weeks ago. They had fallen off a horse and they were very upset and very stressed about it and they don't know how to get back on this horse and they were wondering whether we had any advice. But seeing that we have you here, Jackie, we thought we would save it. So like I mentioned earlier on, first thing I might say is, wow, well done you. You fell off and you've still got the horse and and that's a brave thing because it's scary. So let's not be 
try and be too perfect, then I would probably say, why do you want to get back on? And I would leave a gap like I just have done. Depending on what the individual would say, then I would be saying, right, so this is what your brain is telling you. And I would explain that your emotional brain, your limbic system is trying to do its best to protect you. So everything you are thinking about getting back on that horse is probably, oh my God, he's going to do it again. Oh, what if? So you're negatively, understandably, negatively forecasting the outcome. So your mind is saying, I'm not going to let you go back on that horse. Why would I? So it will put in anything. I've worked with people who say, oh my God, I come up with so many excuses as to why not to ride. Interestingly, a lot of ladies going through the menopause experience this, that their brain is saying, do you know what? It's probably not very safe to get back on that horse. And they will come up with all sorts of reasons. So your individual could potentially, I don't know, be coming up with lots of reasons in her mind as to why she can't get back on the horse. So why is her brain going to let her? Now, lots of individuals will say, just get back on the horse. First of all, she needs to admit that she's scared. That's normal human response. Then why do I want to get back on? Then understand why her brain is doing what it's doing. Then start to look at what would it be looking like if I did get back on? How do I want it to look? How do I want to feel on my horse? What will I do? What small steps can I take? Maybe don't get back on, but do some other stuff instead. So you're building up the confidence with you and your horse. Look at your sleep, because if you're not sleeping, the night before you're due to go to the yard and get on the horse, then your brain is not functioning well for you and you do not make good decisions. Sleep is one of the most important things that we need to get right. Routine and structure around getting back on, but looking at it positively, visualising, all kinds of things are going to help you get back on. One of the most important things is that you don't beat yourself up for not getting back on your horse because the moment you beat yourself up, you're turning on your cortisol tap. It's flooding your body again. So it's telling your body that's a scary thing. So if you really want to do it, you will do it and you are more than capable of doing it, but you've just forgotten how to do it. Yeah, I just felt like that was a therapy session. Then. <laughs> just, I thought you were going off. I know, then. I was literally like, days like, wow, I need to do this more often. And, and then I thought, gosh, sometimes I would come up with excuses of why I couldn't ride. I'd be like, no, we can't, you know, I, I can't ride today because like, you know, the, the wind's blowing mm-hmm. northeast instead of northwest. Yeah. So I can't do it. But that's actually just a, just a silly reaction from your brain. Well, it is, but it's normal. And again, don't beat yourself up for that. But also, if you want to get into your boss brain, say, stop it. Don't need to overanalyze it. Do you want to ride? What small steps are you going to take? to ride but also on the flip side of that i suppose the first sort of steps you mentioned of admitting that you're scared and understanding where that emotional response is coming from when you're still in those early stages it's perhaps wiser to not get back on the horse because like we were saying previously you need to think about how your emotional headspace is going to affect that animal and whether it's going to be productive so by that route then jackie would you say that actually until you've gotten through those first few stages is it better almost holding off getting on until you feel comfortable I wouldn't say I that wouldn't be for me to say because that again would be my solution not their solution okay obviously you have to look at health and safety issues but for some people actually getting back on straight away gets them back into their boss brain immediately and so it doesn't build that neuro pathway in the brain of oh no I mustn't get on so it very much would depend on the individual yeah Yeah, because I think actually we've spoken about this in the past and I'm very much what you just described in that I remember once I had a fall on the road Mm. my pony literally spooked and slipped and I fell over and she bolted off in the other direction and I was obviously really scared I was like 12 at the time but the next day I 
got back on that pony and did the exact same route again yeah. because that worked yeah for me yeah and then I was fine since then but yeah. I think it's interesting to sort of dissect that everyone is so different in what strategies would help them so the brain when we do something the brain has to search to find a pattern match so of course if the last pattern match in there is a real negative one it's going to be on high alert it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to stop you doing it if you take control of it it's reframing isn't it so that's what you did you reframed that pattern match that behavior pattern you got on you did the same route again so the next time you came to get on your pony you probably were still a wee bit oh but your brain felt fairly safe because you'd reframed the pattern you'd put in a positive pattern all righty so time for a question that we ask all of our guests jackie what is your equestrian it I love this because I didn't know what you meant. I kind of worked it out. <laughs> I'm a lady of a certain age. Okay, now I do it and I've always done it, but it, it drives me a wee bit mad that people humanise their horses. But the one thing I do do struggle with is when people say he knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> You're like, no, he didn't. But we do say it, don't we? If it's in a session and the individual is saying to me, yeah, but he always knows, he knows that if he does that and I, yeah, but he doesn't, he's a horse. And if we're being very literal and very logical, we do know, don't we, that the horse's brain is not a human brain, that the horse really is a fight flight animal. And so he's responding to his environment. Horses don't necessarily have (laughs) the same emotional response as we do. They do not analyse what you're doing. She's doing that. All right. Well, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to buck her off at that. They don't. Yeah. Like that. Because we've we've mentioned that before. In that, like, horses aren't born nasty or with like you know a chip on their shoulder because that those are human emotions, and horses don't have that. They don't have the emotional capacity to like hold grudges or to even mm. they don't even have the memory processing to know what they did two weeks ago. No. I mean, it, honestly, it's a miracle that we can train them yeah. at yeah. all. Right? Somebody said to me something about a horse's brain it's like oh, I can't I'm not going to say it right but basically their backside has come through their brain and it just goes <laughs> in the loop it's like, but anyway she'd say it much better than me but, but that's you know horses do react to us and we must give them that respect and yes they you know do all sorts of stuff for us you know I used to talk to my son's horse like he was my best friend because he was he allowed me to and for my son actually he gave him space he was his therapist my my son's horse was his therapist. Yeah. So he could go up there and he could offload, not cruelly, but, you know, if he was having a tough time or he could just be there with his horse and his horse took it all. He didn't give him any suggestions. Though. No, no. <laughs> They're incredible animals, but it's all sort of learning by association, association. isn't it, with them? They, they don't have that ability to be calculated or to think you know what I'm going I'm going to ruin her day today <laughs> they don't think like that they don't have the ability to no that. and I wish that more people knew that that the way we train them is, is and also to accept that sometimes that horse isn't right for you like you said right at the beginning um and that horse didn't do it on purpose oh yeah he didn't you off on purpose no he didn't go I'm gonna break her vertebrae today <laughs> he just went oh don't like that ping yeah. and then kind of probably looked at me and was like oh how did you get there yeah you know yeah. there's no horses aren't born with he with nastiness he probably doesn't even remember it 
either. Lucky him. <laughs> like, you know, I do every day. <laughs> you know, horses tell us, don't they, through their behaviour that something's wrong most of the time. If we are willing to open our eyes and look and listen and feel, I guess, they're going to tell us. Yeah, yeah. I think you can read a horse. Non-horsey people will be like, what? They've got what? words written on them? <laughs> but yeah, you can read horses, but yeah, they, they're, they're not like us, are they? But we love them, don't we? Oh, God, I mean, yeah. you know, they do so much for us. They empty our bank accounts. <laughs> <laughs> they give us a purpose they to life, don't they? They do. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to Jackie. I've definitely enjoyed it. I feel like I've just had a free therapy session, which we all need to have therapy sessions. So if you want to get in contact with Jackie, then you can look her up on Instagram and Facebook. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I am currently JMC Hypnotherapy on Instagram and it will be the same on Facebook. And I highly recommend it. And I'm sure everyone who works with Jackie will recommend it. What a nice treat to go into the new year give yourself a therapy session <laughs> so anyway thank you so much for listening to this episode of that's lame hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time love you bye, bye.